Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer, director, star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Craig Horlbeck. I'm joined by Danny Kelly and Ben Solak. Danny Heifetz, once again, not here. He is the best man in a wedding, but... Best man. Important. He's the best man. Best. If his friend had any taste, though, he would have gotten married at, on stage at the NFL Draft, like somebody did today. <laughs> Wait, that happened? This is my follow the draft on Twitter day. I cannot do day three. Yes, I turned it off. Yeah, it's too much for me. An abomination of programming. <laughs> it should just be text on a screen because they had Ice Cube perform. Weezer performed and two people got married. Dude, Weezer actually I did see the Weezer concert. Who Where's Cuomo? Looking, looking a little Weezer? old and haggard. Who is Weezer? Oh, come on. Weezer. Not Black Sheep, but the You know the one. song Beverly Hills spent. Beverly Hills. Yeah. That's the song you thought of? Like, Say It Ain't So or... Like, Say I it ain't so. Buddy uh, Holly. Yeah, Buddy Holly. I, the first the thing that comes up when you Google Weezer is a fictional character named Carl Weezer. I don't know what show he's from, though. Oh, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, Carl Weezer. Hi, Jimmy. You don't know that? Man. No, I, I, wish Jimmy was, either. I wish Heifetz was here right now. Uh, by the way, I quoted, I, I, I had a friend text me yesterday because I quoted Tommy Boy on, on the podcast and neither, and none of you guys got it. What was the quote? I said a lot of people go to college for seven years. Oh, mm. I I quoted a vine, and neither one of you guys got it. This was a couple nights ago, and Just I feel attacked. Generational problem. So we're here. all doing our own bits <laughs> for our own subset of the listeners, just incidentally on top of one another, with no chemistry or interrelation between them. Well, the high Jimmy is going to hit amongst a, a good subset of people. Anyway, so. Uh, rounds four through seven. Full disclosure: We're recording right as round seven is wrapping up. So. I guess something crazy could happen. And let's start with the quarterbacks because a quarterback hasn't been drafted yet who everybody thought would be drafted. And that's Carson Strong, left on red by the NFL. But first, we have to discuss the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots drafted Bailey Zappi before Sam Howell. The Patriots drafted Mac Jones last year and then drafted Bailey Zappi in the fourth round. It's a truly bizarre draft class. But no, no team could have drafted Bailey Zappi and I would have been like, this matters. This means something. 
to them, right? I think it's more just like the Patriots draft backup quarterbacks. Like they, you know, it's by the Brian Hoyer, who's 50 or, you know, some random <laughs> rookie guy in a contract. Yeah. But I will say that the guys that they've been drafting are perplexingly old. They're all like 24. Yes. Their draft class, like every year, the Patriots draft class doesn't make sense. This year, the Patriots draft class really doesn't make sense. I don't <laughs> like Belichick has always preferred to draft multi-year starters. That's Belichick and everybody from his tree, right? When Bob Quinn went to Detroit, uh, Robinson, when he was in Tennessee, like anybody who's got like a Belichick inspired front office generally likes multi-year starter guys. They like veteran players, like dudes who've done it for a while, but everybody they've drafted is my age. And that can't be good process. I really don't care even who the prospects are. And the prospects are weird. They had one of the coolest two-headed backfields. The prospects are weird. They, they had one of the coolest two-headed backfields in the league in Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. It was thunder and more thunder. And then they drafted <laughs> two running backs, which doesn't make sense. They got two corners who I like in Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, but they Small. already had a cornerback named Jones. They have three cornerbacks <laughs> named Jones. You are asking for problems when you have three cornerbacks named Jones. There's going to be a missubstitution at some point. This is bad strategy. The thing that I just kept thinking about while you were uh, talking about this class, because yes, it is a bizarre class. Uh, uh, you tweeted earlier that you think maybe they're they're drafting because of what they think are like adjectives or whatever, like Cole Strange. He's very strange. Pierre Strong. He's strong. Bailey Zappy sounds like Zippy. So maybe he's a little <laughs> speedster. Yeah. It's either an adjective last name or Jones. That's the whole draft <laughs> class right now. <laughs> Bailey Zappi set a single set the single season record in college football for yards and touchdowns. They're going to turn him into Jimmy G. He's got Minshew vibes or something. I swear. Mac Jones is going to tweak a hamstring and Bailey Zappi's going to come in and have a good game. And Bill's not going to know what to do with himself. He's going to be like, I kind of like Zappi. Uh, this is, this reminds me though. I think, um, it's worth talking about somewhat seriously for a minute here. The Patriots have always marched to the beat of their own drum as a draft team, as a team, a team was drafting or whatever. And so, um, and part of the reason is they have, according to, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, and I've heard this from multiple sources, like they have like a very small big board. Every draft they come into, maybe they'll have like 50 guys total out of like the whatever there is, like 600 potential players in this draft field. Um, they, they narrow it down to guys that they just really want. It's either like, it's not like we're going to rank a whole bunch of guys. It's basically like, are we willing to take this guy with a draft pick? Yes or no. And if not, then they take him off their board and put him on the backboard. And if they don't, if they run out of guys, then they just start punting picks into the next round, into the next year. And so, you know, we saw them early on, like a, like a couple of days before the draft even started, they like traded one of their mid round picks for late round picks, because I think that they were like, assuming they just weren't going to have anybody on the board at that point or something like that. Um, so, I don't know. It's just kind of bizarre, but I, they, the way that they go about it, they have a really small board. That's why, like, I think it's so strange. They have, they pick two running backs, but maybe that's like literally the top ranked guys on their board. And Damian Harris is their starter and he is a free agent after 2022. So maybe this is just like them looking down the road and saying, we need running backs to come in and blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're actually going to try and trade Damian Harris now. Um, and then kind People of are, these teams are being awfully prudent about their running back position. They're like, gotta get ahead of it. We gotta <laughs> yeah. get ahead of it. Well, Car uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, nope. Got to get ahead of it. Let's let's bring in Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, it's a very weird draft. But also, I think, like, to circle all the way around, like, Bailey Zappi going above Sam Howell is kind of a shock. And it's kind of one of the bigger, I think, storylines of this draft. Like, Sam Howell fell into the fifth round. Like, people were expecting him to go in the second round. Like, second, I thought I was being, like, harsh on him 
because I had him ranked in like the 50s. And like, I thought I was being a hater. Like the NFL didn't want him. Where do you think the NFL would have drafted Howell if he came out last year? Yes, this is a guy who was That's a good question. as a, a first-round quarterback the year before, right? Howell opened as one of the, the top guys in terms of draft odds to go one overall, which doesn't actually mean anything. But in terms of like the height that that UNC program had coming into the year, in terms of how Howell produced with Deami Brown and Daz Newsom, which everybody's talked about, like they, Michael Carter, uh, Javante Williams, all those guys moved on, absolutely. But even if the league kind of knew Howell wasn't all that, there's, in my mind, no way somebody wasn't throwing a second round pick on Sam Howell if he came out after the 2021 season or the 2020 season. Because it just, it was, it was just good. It was a lot of production. He could throw the ball really far. Air raid. Nobody really cares about that anymore. Sure, let's do it. And the fact that he fell this far for just generally having like a horrible line, horrible weapons and playing roughly the same is really speaks to how much context affects these evaluations, which we always talk about like, how do you evaluate guys without context? Turns out we do. Because Howell was not a fifth-round pick out of the 2020 season. No way, no how. I, was, I think I said this maybe on the take purge, but I'm actually going to just say it in real life now. Like, I think Baker Mayfield ruined Sam Howell. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he looks like Baker Mayfield. He plays like Baker Mayfield. I think he doesn't, like, look fit. Like, his face doesn't look like Baker Mayfield. But, like, physically, he looks like Baker Mayfield on the field. They have somewhat similar style. Six one, kind of thick, energetic. Stocky. Yeah, like a little plucky. Scrambler, If you will. Um, and I really do think like the NFL, like has absolutely no in- interest right now. In Baker but Mayfield. to not like, draft him at all. I mean, we're almost done with the seventh round here. He hasn't been drafted yet. You had him 60th on your big board, DK. I know. And I thought I was being mean. Like I thought I was being a hater. Like the NFL really had like no desire to have any part of this guy. Um, so by the way, he ended up with the commanders. So maybe he actually is like the next Kirk Cousins. and <laughs> He's going to come in as like a fourth or fifth round pick, win the job over Carson Wentz. Like it wouldn't be the weirdest thing in the world. If the Carson Wentz experiment just fails spectacularly and then Sam Howell ends up being the starter, right? Like it's not going to be that crazy. Um, so maybe we'll look back on this conversation and be like, we probably overreact a little bit. But I think like fifth round, that's crazy. When's the last time Wentz played a whole season as like was available healthy? In 2019, he had 16 of 16 games in Philly. But other than that, it was his rookie year. It so, feels like a, a low risk, high reward uh, thing here oh, for Washington. 100%. But it, you could have said that about so many teams for like three rounds. Like I, it, it's just bizarre that he lasted this long. Like you, the, same with Ritter and Willis. You could have said yeah, this. Yeah. So you know the Seahawks straight up. There was a lot of smoke around the Seahawks liking Sam Howell coming into this draft. Um, I saw. I think Pelissero tweeted it a couple different times. Like Seahawks really like Howell. Like they've done their homework on him. They had like five or six chances to draft him like late, and they still didn't do it. So I just think, you know, it, it's kind of bizarre. But at the same time, like, you know, teams, I think, are more cognizant of the idea that, like, we're not going to commit to anybody unless we, like, actually feel like it's a good fit and, like, there's a real future here or something. So, And I said earlier, I got my wires crossed. I was I was thinking about Carson Strong when I said, oh, he hasn't been drafted yet when we were talking about Sam Howell. But I was talking about Carson Strong, who has yet to be drafted yet, quarterback out of Nevada, who has a medical, you know, there's some medical red flags. He's a leg injury that he's like still kind of recovering from. Ben jokes that he's like as mobile as a tree. Is Carson Strong going to be in the NFL? Is he going to be a practice squad quarterback in three months? Probably. And again, I just want to say to you, Ben, I'm sorry for making you uh, chart oh, Carson trust Strong. Me, that was going to be the first thing I said of the set <laughs> <laughs> DK ranked this guy in the top 100 and made me chart. He had 527 dropbacks. I couldn't get him all because I didn't have enough Nevada film. He's not going to be drafted. Last time I charted a quarterback who didn't end up drafted was like Brandon Silvers. 
Like Tanner it's my fault. It's my fault. Yes, uh, it is. Peek behind the cor- the curtain here. I just felt the need to put him in the top 100. I think I put him like 99 or 8 or something like that. Because yeah. I thought there was a good chance he gets drafted on day two. And I wanted to have a profile up there for people to read. I didn't actually really <laughs> think he was a top 100 player. That's kind of lying. I know. I'm sorry to everyone who reads my, my draft guide. But um, yeah, and sorry, especially to Ben for making you watch all that tape. But I think, honestly, it wasn't necessarily... like I don't think he's a really great quarterback, but it wasn't... Mostly, I think it was the knee issue. So he's we, we went through his knee issues on a previous podcast, but basically he had... I don't even know what the name of it was. Some degenerative disease where... Or not disease. Degenerative condition where the cartilage in his knee degraded it detached from his leg there was like a essentially like a dead spot in his bone it's like a very serious knee issue he had like four like three or four surgeries on it and so and i apologize if i'm getting some of the details incorrect basically the bottom line is the knee condition i think is the far and away the, the the reason he didn't get drafted or he hasn't been drafted yet i guess we're still a few picks away from ending but um yeah so it looks like if he doesn't get drafted, if Carson Strong doesn't get drafted, it looks like six quarterbacks are going to be drafted in the NFL draft, which uh, feels like the smallest amount of of quarterbacks we've ever seen. I know in 2015, there were seven drafted, and that was the least since t- uh, 1955. Wow. So, wow. so this is some wow. high-spend seventh round right here. I'm going back to the live tracker. <laughs> what is <laughs> That's up? right. We getting strong in here? What? Um, but anyway, so let's let's kind of move on here to rounds four through seven. The way I kind of think about this, I mean, I don't know the majority of these players, except Matt Areza shouts out Punt God, shouts out Bills Mafia. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Go Aztecs. Which players drafted in rounds four through seven, in your guys' opinions, have a chance to become a household name in their careers? DK, so, we'll start with you. Yeah, I jotted down, and, and look, most most players drafted on day three are, I mean, just the odds of you turning out into like a productive, well-known, famous NFL player are pretty low. So I basically just looked at who are the guys who could potentially be fantasy assets because that's like really how they're going to get talked about probably. A um, couple guys came to mind. Damian Pierce from the Texans. He got drafted on the second pick of the, uh, of the day, second pick of the fourth round by the Texans. The Texans don't really have an established hierarchy in that running back group. I think there's a pretty solid chance he ends up being their starter Gotta be. They have Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. Yeah, or at least like a big part of their rotation. And so, and he runs with such ver- like ferocity and violence and like just run through your face like Marshawn Lynch style, like as a runner. Um, I think people are going to like him and people are going to start talking about him. So he's a guy I think that could potentially, you know, become a quote unquote household name going forward if he ends up being the starter. Tyler Algier from BYU landed in a very interesting situation with the Falcons in the fifth round. He's a guy that, you know, again, it's the same situation. There's not really an established starter. He, he you know, Cordero Patterson is there. Um, but, and I think, is Mike Davis still under contract there? He's still there, but that could yeah. change soon enough. And they signed Damian Williams. Okay, yeah, we go. So, like, basically, it's a bunch of, like, older veteran guys. Like, he has a chance to come in and um, at least be part of the rotation and, and be fantasy relevant. So, um, he's another one that I would, like, throw out there. And then, thirdly, lastly, Khalil Shakur from the Bills. Love Khalil. Yeah, he f- fell quite a bit further than I think that I thought he would. And I think a big reason is he has very short arms. He has like 29 inch arms, which probably falls below the thresholds for a lot of teams in terms of what they want at the receiver position. But he's a very versatile player, you know, run after the catch. You kind of line him up all over the place. He's probably going to be a slot. And it's very interesting that he, that he came to the Bills because he can play like a very dynamic role for them. Maybe he's like their future, uh, you know, basically right now, Jameson, uh, Crowder is there. Um, 
and who is the the little slot receiver guy from last year? God, Isaiah like, McKenzie. Well, not him. Um, that he got cut recently because he wanted to trade. The guy Cole who Beasley? was like, yes, Cole Beasley. Oh, oh, oh. DK, DK was trying <laughs> so hard. DK was trying so hard not to be like, the guy who was the, the face of the anti-vax side of football player. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, that, the that COVID one. denier guy. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, sorry, my, by the way, just my brain, I'm, my, I'm brain dead right now. Sorry. Uh, it's been a long weekend. But anyway, yes, uh, he, could be, he could kind of play that role, I think, and maybe it'll be a little bit more dynamic for them. So I think he's really interesting. Maybe not in year one. But year two, if he, if he takes over for like what Jamison Crowder is expected to do this season, um, he could be a name that like people start to know. Also, I don't think they cut Isaiah McKenzie. I think he's still on the team. He's still there. Yeah, it's it's McKenzie Crowder, and they're probably going to rotate a little bit. So Shakur might not be even involved. As but he's a guy you had sixty fifth overall on your big board, and he went in the fifth round. Yeah, so. I was very high on him. I think he, and again, it's probably big part like the, the arm length. Like a lot of people probably just took him off their board. Um, so anyways, it's going to be very interesting to see what he, what he does. Cause I think he's a good player. Ben, who'd you like in day three? Yeah. So, okay. Non fantasy player edition then, um, made fun of the Patriots draft, but if there's going to become, be a player that becomes a household name, a corner drafted by the Patriots is always a good bet. And Jack Jones and out of Arizona state previously was at USC was a really, really high caliber crew at USC. Struggle to just keep his head on straight in college. Uh, robbed a Panda Express. That's publicly available oh, wow. knowledge. Yeah, no Jeez. need for that. But yeah, uh, so he was arre- uh, arrested and charged with, I think, just burglary. I think, like, usually there's, like, a fancy legal term. It's like, yeah, you're a burglar. You burgled someone. Um, but anyway, so, you know, uh, he struggled to walk the straight and narrow there a little bit, but a really, really, really talented cover man. Uh, and so if he gets... Uh, uh, good guidance kind of stays on the straight and narrow there in New England. He's got, he's always had NFL talent since the day he walked on a football field as a college player. So Jack Jones, the quarter out of Arizona State. Uh, Cordell Volson was the fourth round pick of the Bengals. They got him at, at, at their pick, 31 overall. Uh, he played tackle for North Dakota State for the Bison. Uh, he's probably a guard in the league. He's good. He's flat out good. Just he's a good quality lineman who I thought should have gone day two. Uh, and the Bengals have plenty of room for for both their current starters to be beat out and then also like the gaps that still remain on their offensive line. This offensive line is far from being uh, locked in place. <gasps> Wait, did Skyler go? Yes, There's he did. Two, two more quarterbacks. Chris Oladokun? I don't know. I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, Alunacon, the, the San Diego State, or not San Diego State, South, South Dakota, Dakota State. State. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I, I liked him. I remember watching his his film like adjacent to watching other FCS defensive uh-huh. guys, and I was like, I'd take this guy to seventh. So yeah, he yeah. went, Sky- and Skylar Thompson yeah. out of Kansas State went before Carson Strong. Yeah, here's yeah. the thing. Skylar Thompson is... To Miami uh, Dolphins, by the way. Miami? He's like a... Uh, uh, it's such a dumb thing to say. He'd be a fun like gadget quarterback, right? <laughs> I, he's a nice guy to have on the uh, uh, on the roster for like Taysom Hill-esque reasons. Let's put it that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, so those picks are fun. Uh, Cordell Volson, uh, I, I would not be surprised if by week six, he is the starting right guard of the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely love that. Wow, Tyreek, cool. Ty- yeah, Tyreek Smith went to Danny's uh, Seahawks in round five, edge rusher out of Ohio State. He was supposed to be like the next li- guy in the line for Ohio State. Never really fully came together, but the length is there. The explosiveness is there. We love that in round five. Uh, Tyson Anderson out of Toledo was a guy that I did not know who he was until like four days before the draft started. You want a six six four three cone? I'm going to pay attention. That is a blazing speed for a defensive back. He's six two two ten too. He ain't short. This is not this is not like one of those five eight a buck seventy five guys who's running out of time. He can really move. Uh, he played like big nickel slot hybrid sort of position for Toledo. The Bengals drafted him, and the reason why I love that is because the Bengals drafted Dax Hill. 
And Tyson Anderson was like the, if you didn't get Dax Hill consolation prize four rounds later, and they just took both of them. And they are really well set to have a really versatile secondary secondary there. They did the whole like big slot defender with Trey Flowers this year. And I think Anderson can fill that role. So I loved that pick. So two for the Bengals there. Wow, um, yeah. Yeah, and then last but not least, um, third team All-American defensive tackle, uh, Matthew Butler, who played for Tennessee. He's just a productive, penetrating upfield one tech who... No hype during the process. It was just a good, productive senior player in the SEC. The Raiders grabbed him. They got two SEC defensive tackles, Neil Farrell and Butler, who's just a good rush guy. He's just a good 315-pound rush player. And whenever you can get one of those, especially fifth round or later, that's a nice win. Uh, so I think all five of those guys have a chance to become impact players between year one and year two. And then teams, uh, fans of those teams will know those players on the defensive side of the ball. I was watching Neil Farrell the other day. Uh, he is a square. He's shaped like a square. We love our refrigerators in the middle, baby. Nothing better than just that absolute washing machine at zero tech. <laughs> oh, yeah. You ever move a washing machine that's difficult, right? <laughs> yeah, so we can get, ourselves, like a freaking yeah. Dolly we can get ourselves a nice Frigidaire. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, we're cooking now. First team all washing yeah. machine. Jordan Davis, that's a deep freezer, all right? <laughs> yeah. You got to get two people to move that thing. I love just comparing players to kitchen and, and household appliances. <laughs> there was a defensive tackle out of Oregon a few years ago. Uh, Jordan Scott wore number 34. He was like six foot 340. Unbelievable frame. Wow. He was, six he was, foot 340? He was legit cubic. <laughs> a he circle. Was, he, was, he was legit cubic. He was as wide as he was tall. And his, his nickname on the team was mini fridge. Like they just <laughs> like, yeah, <clears throat> your little tank boy. And I just love that body type. I think it's so fun. <laughs> That's great. All right. So let's zoom out even more here. DK, if you had to pick a team or a couple of them who you thought won day three here in the draft, stocked their team appropriately, who would you pick? I know that this is annoying. And for people listening, I'm sorry, but the Ravens again, just keep, well, this can't keep happening. Yeah. Why do they keep getting away with this? So they came in with four fourth round picks, um, plus a couple other later ones, I guess. And and so they just came away with like some really good players. Again, like multiple guys that I had on my top 100 list. Daniel Falale from Minnesota, who is a like six foot eight, 380 pound tackle. He's, he's a two in one washer dryer. All right. This man is a stack. He's large, but he also moves pretty well. Like I was surprised. I liked his tape. Um, you know, he's got some issues, of course, because he's like huge and he's new to the game relative to a lot of these other people because he's from Australia, former. Um, I think he played like rugby or whatever. And so he's a really interesting developmental guy. Um, he kind of fits the mold of what they like to do. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama, a corner. And then they got uh, Charlie Kolar, tight end from Iowa State, who I had in my top 100. He's just like a, a really good possession receiver type guy probably like going to be lining up in the slot a lot for them. They're going to be running tons of 12 personnel, 13 personnel this year. It's going to be interesting because they just traded Marquise Brown. So now they're just like loading up on <laughs> tight ends and stuff. They also drafted Isaiah likely who is a move tight end, really, really productive. Um, so the Ravens are going to be really interesting. And then of course, late in the, late in the draft, I got one of my favorite like sleeper running backs, Tyler Beatty from Missouri. Not a great, not a great landing spot for him. If you're like talking about fantasy, because he was supposed to be like, a pass catcher, you know, like that was going to be like where he separates himself. Um, and the Ravens never throw to their running backs. So that maybe that's not going to work out too great, but uh, he's a good runner. Also, he's like, you know, sort of like a three down pack for, for Missouri. So I think the Ravens really stood out. I'll do one more just real quick. So we don't have to always talk about the Ravens the Packers. I thought I had a pretty good um, day three Romeo dubs from Nevada. Carson Strong's top target went in the fourth round to them. And then Zach Tom, one of my, I think not like favorite, but like a pretty damn intriguing, middle round offensive lineman. He can play like multiple positions. He's really athletic. 
And then Kingsley Enigbare from South Carolina, he fell he fell a bunch because he didn't test very well. But I think he's just like got really strong hands. He's like a good, powerful defensive end type guy, outside linebacker type guy. Rashid Walker, that was another guy that I thought was pretty good. He fell. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens, what, what we hear about Rashid Walker, because I thought he would have been like a day two guy. But like that's another great value pick for them. I thought he, you know, he struggled at times, but I think he had good enough tape to go in the middle rounds. They got him in seventh round. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Going back to the Ravens there for a second. So they traded away Marquise Brown. They had, I think, nine picks in this draft. They did not take a wide receiver. Are are the Ravens going to go back to like the 2018-19 Lamar offense and just absolutely pound the ball? Something is changing in Baltimore offensively. I Something's got to be. In the, in the pivot, I got to remember my years. I think it was before that 2019 season, if you remember. It was, it was after Lamar's MVP year. Harbaugh had kind of like a buzzy quote to the media in July. Like people kind of got all fatouched about it, where he was like, we need Lamar to be a better deep passer. Like, we need to throw the ball better downfield. And they just drafted Marquise Brown. They had Miles Boykin. You remember Miles Boykin at Notre Dame? 6'3", 200, could fly, ran a 4'4". It's four, like four, a third rounder, right? Yeah, and they're like, we, we're going to be vertical. Like, that's what we are. We're going to be a vertical passing. We're going to go play action, and no team should have more success throwing the ball downfield than we do because we have a quarterback who can do it. We have speed at receiver and we're going to make them put so many players in the box. And it just never really came to fruition. Like Lamar got better passing deep, but they never like fully became this like truly spread and shred you out sort of a passing game. And then very quietly, not really quietly, I guess we've been talking about the last three days. They traded Marquise Brown. They cut Miles Boykin. They drafted Rashad Bateman last year, who's a possession receiver, right? This is like a separator underneath. They got Tyler Linderbaum, who is not the sort of like their ex center Patrick McCarty was like 6'3, 320. He played tackle at right. Cal and he was playing center for the Ravens. That's how big they wanted to be up front. Orlando Brown, this is a huge team. They're not exactly the same now. They're a little bit quicker, they're a little bit lighter, a little bit smaller on the offensive line. And now they're drafting, they got what, like three tight ends in this class or something ridiculous, right? They're <laughs> loading up on tight end personnel. They still have Patrick McCarty at fullback. They have their their running back in J.K. Dobbins and, and, and Justice Hill, right? They have kind of that rotation that we never really yeah. got to see, but they have these bodies. And they seem perfectly fine to be like Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, Nothing really at receiver. It very much seems, yes, that not only are they going to run the ball more, but also they're going to run it differently and get into their passing game spots differently, which is like a little bit exciting because everything Greg Roman has done to this point, their offensive coordinator has really kind of sucked. Their passing game designs last year were horrible. They constantly had dudes in the same space. There wasn't good distribution. There wasn't good timing. But it's also not exciting because 
Greg Roman's still the offensive coordinator. So even if they're changing stuff, you worry about the same problems. Really, really fascinated to see what the Ravens offense looks like first snaps of 2021. Because I guarantee you it'll be different. I could not tell you how, but something's going to change for sure. Does this mean that Tylen Wallace is back? He's back like he's still alive? Tyler Wallace never left, baby. Oh, All right. Big okay. Tyler Wallace fan over here. <laughs> good, good. Uh, ben, who, in your opinion, won rounds four through seven? Uh, Danny Seahawks absolutely deserve Ooh, mention here. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Seahawks, we, we did this bit yesterday. We're doing it again. Seahawks had a good draft. If all you know is who the good players are. <laughs> good or bad. Right? Like, if I if I gave just a stranger on the street, like, a list of, like, where I ranked the players and a list of which team drafted which players, they'd be like, oh, Seahawks killed it. I'd be like, yeah. You don't need any other information. It's they like don't- the Rotten Tomatoes system of grading movies. It's either thumbs up or thumbs down. That's it. No gray area. You're, listen, it's good or bad prospects. At the end of the day, football players have <laughs> a good or he's bad. Uh, and so after getting, you know, like, boy, Mafia wasn't my favorite edge, but I get it. It's like an early second round pick. Kenneth Walker, great running back. Charles Cross was an awesome pick. Abe Lucas, good pass blocking tackle. Their day three, starting in round four, was Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. Two long press man Seattle corners, baby. Re- embrace tradition. Reject modernity. We are going back to Seattle <laughs> cover three. Quandre yeah. Diggs is Earl Thomas. Jamal Adams is Cam Chancellor. No, th- this is the, the prototype that the Seahawks have used successfully at corner before. Tariq Woolen especially is like, what if DK Metcalf was playing corner, He's six right? foot four and he ran like a four two six. Yeah, and he can't <laughs> and, and he can't turn. He is like, yeah, he's a track guy. He, he's literally like a he track guy. He was born to cover DK Metcalf. And the Seahawks <laughs> are basically like, we can't let any other team have him. He is the DK Metcalf solution, and we will possess the him. The neutralizer. Yes. We can't, yeah, we just got to like <laughs> sit him on our bench for four years. But Kobe Bryant is a three-year starter in a press man system with a ton of ball skills, ton of veteran work. He's not the best athlete, but he's an NFL caliber athlete. Love the Kobe Bryant pick. Tyreke Smith already brought up, and then two nice developmental receivers in the seventh round. Bo Melton out of Rutgers, who DK and I both talked about, and we talked about liking earlier in this process. Uh, has a little bit of running back to him. Has a little bit of wiggle to him. and move him in the backfield, right? Uh, if you wanted to get somebody in the D Eskridge role because you were worried about D Eskridge in the D Eskridge role. Bo Melton's a really nice pick in the seventh round. Yes. This is what I was telling. I was already in the chat. I was like, this guy is basically like a discount D Eskridge. Obviously they're getting him in the seventh round, but he's a former four-star guy. Uh, He ran a four, three, four, something like that. Very fast. He was playing in this offense uh, for Rutgers. That was just atrocious quarterback play. Like they couldn't hit anything. Um, And it made it very hard to like, I'll be totally honest. It made it hard to like evaluate his film. When I watched him, I was like, this guy, I I just don't really see it because he's like never getting a a target that's on target, right? Like the, the ball's just ending up wherever. So like you can, you can evaluate his movement skills. He's very athletic. He's very twitched up. And I think he did really well at the senior bowl. Was not he was not a four star group accident. And we take the Mickey out of the Patriots draft class for fun. One of the things the Patriots do really well is on day three they go, okay, who is the five star recruit that never panned out? That guy, bring him here. And if he hits, it's a five star hit instead of a three star hit. Right? And athletically, that 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 describes the higher ceiling. Speaking of that, Derek Young. Yes, and then Derek Young as well, who's big, long, fast wide receiver out of Lenore Ryan, which if you remember, that's where Kyle Duggar, the second round pick out of the Patriots, the safety came a couple years ago. Uh, he's just one of these guys. You look at the measurables and you go, okay, yep. And then you go, you turn on the highlight reel film and you go, sure. Uh, Lance Zerline had a line in his scouting report. I remember reading this a couple weeks ago where like, the first line was like, teams will just take w- one look at Derek Young's physique and draft him in the seventh round, right? And that's exactly what the Seahawks did. It's like DK Metcalf walking shirtless. Take one look at that guy and go, 
We will try it. We will see what you look like on a football field, son. He's 100%. body beautiful. Uh, and he's a, he's a fun developmental guy. As body well. so beautiful. Got yeah. some tight skin. Just another, I think, another interesting wrinkle to like the behind the scenes drafting that I, I think is, that is showing up here is the Seahawks took two receivers in the seventh round. And I think what that tells you is they have zero confidence they're going to get receivers in undrafted free agency because typically the last couple picks of a draft, if you especially if you have a lot of picks in a draft, are to basically get ahead of undrafted free agency because undrafted free agents can go wherever they want. Agents are, everybody wants to send their guy to a team where they're going to, like, number one, make the roster, and number two, potentially play. No one's going to look at Seattle and be like, they have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. They just spent a second rounder on D. Eskridge. They're a team with no quarterback that wants to run the ball. No agent is going to be like, yeah, I'll send my receiver client there. You know what I mean? So I think this is just another, like, this is an aside, but I think it's an interesting part of, like, how the draft kind of works is the Seahawks basically were like, look, we're not going to get any receivers in free agency. Let's just draft these two guys and have them on our roster. And then we'll try and recruit other guys at other positions because they have 13 roster spots left right now. So they're going to be heavy in, in undrafted free agency. Did you like anybody else, Ben? Uh, yeah, I think the Panthers deserve shine, mostly because Carolina's largely just done bad things. So when they do even a remotely good thing, we should be like, yay, good job. <laughs> uh, Brandon Smith. Golf big- clap. Yeah, uh, fourth round pick linebacker out of Penn State. Big, long, fast. Really, really good athlete. Uh, if you missed out the Troy Anderson in in day two sweepstakes, Brandon Smith in day three sweepstakes was the appropriate thing to get into, so I like that a lot. Amari Barno was, was, was a good edge of Virginia Tech. I understand why he's not super NFL translatable, but there's length. He's a physical guy. He can be a teamer for you. He ran like a 4-4 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a pet cat of mine, Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech. Cade Mace, multi-year starter in the SEC at guard, uh, where the Panthers always need improvements along the, along the offensive line and then Kalen Barnes was one of the track stars they had at Baylor their corner fastest guy at the combine 423 I want to say 423 he's a little bit old not the best cover man but again gonna be a really good teams player for you which is a lot of what day three is about and we take that speed because we can get that speed on the field in impact ways whether it's as a punt returner whether it's in coverage as a nickel guy we expect that that speed to be able to translate to explosive plays uh, and so the Panthers first two re- days absolutely sucked but Actually, Aki day one. Aki Aquanu was good, but yes. they, didn't just, they just didn't have any ammo to do, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. anything in this draft. But this 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 was, I think, nice work by, by Scott Fitterer there, who I think Scott Fitterer is a good evaluator and trader, and then everything else but the trader is just horrible, and there's nothing else to be done. T-R-A-D-E-R. But I've been impressed with what, yeah, with what Fitterer has done uh, during his short tenure there in that hellscape that is Carolina. He comes from Seattle. He's, he spent 20 years in Seattle, um, so he, he certainly learned, like, the Seahawks the way that they draft, which is a lot of trade downs. And by the way, getting back to the CX real quick, the CX traded one time in this draft and it was not till day three. This was like the most bizarre Seahawks draft. Number one, they took a bunch of guys that were projected to be around where they were, where they took them, which is unheard of in Seattle drafting. Uh, they, they didn't trade back or up uh, and they took good players. So good for them. I'm happy about that. Can I just say, Listening to most of this stuff, rounds four through seven, is pretty much like listening to Latin for me. Don't know any of these guys. <laughs> Shouts out to all the listeners who are here right now. You guys are football loving Jesse's because we are deep. We're deep in the weeds right now. Uh, we're talking about Jesse. DK's happy because a the receiver they drafted is similar to D. Eskridge, and that was a positive. <laughs> yeah. He's the he's the hedge, the D. Eskridge hedge for the Seahawks. The D. Eskridge yeah. role is the D. Esk hedge. Yeah. All right, I'm upset about that personally. You know, like, that's not, I, that doesn't fly for me. I was wondering, no one reacted, okay. Yeah, like, absolutely not. <laughs> Ben's uh, like, no, it's day three. I will not accept that. Ben's like, wrap it up. Okay, we're going to zoom out <laughs> once more. Let's talk GMs for a second. 
Which GM are we going to look back to this draft on and think, wow, they, they nailed it. Like this was the draft that set this team up for, for prolonged success. I'll, I'll go first because I, I think that Ben might steal mine. Terry Fontenot for the, for the Falcons. In a couple of years, we could look back. And this is specifically if Desmond Ritter turns out to be a starter. But even if he doesn't, Drake London and Armel Abichetti are both really good picks and like can set this team up in the right direction. I think they're both going to be good players, high-impact players, at, uh, high-impact positions. Um, and then I also liked a lot of the other picks that they made, like Troy Anderson, we talked about him yesterday, super, super athletic, dynamic, versatile guy that can do like a number of different things for them. D'Angelo Malone, very athletic pass rusher. They got Tyler Algier, the running back out of BYU who could be their starter this year, potentially. He's a very big like tackle breaker guy. I kind of comped him to like a, a miniature version of A.J. Dillon. Uh, I, I called him the European sizing A.J. Dillon. You know how like European sizes are really he's, short, like he's, small? He's as discount of Nick Chubb as you can get while still making a Nick Chubb comparison. Like the body type is the same. The fluidity in the hips is the same. The tackle breaking is the same. And then they get into the open field and Nick Chubb could run 200 yards before Tyler Algeo ran like 50. But... The, the the when they move you see the similarities yeah it doesn't have that final gear but uh anyway so i think that they set themselves up well here like they didn't have any glaring mistakes in my opinion and then if ritter like ritter is the wild card here if ritter turns into a starter this is like a russell wilson wilson situation where you get a guy in the third round you're on a rookie contract you can do so much stuff with your with your cap you can go buy like you can go buy free agent pass rushers on the open market and like really change the destiny of your team. So, you know, I don't know, like we talked about this again yesterday. Like, I don't know if Ritter's going to turn out now. Like the odds are certainly against him, but it was well worth, that's a gamble worth taking right there. And it could pan out for him. And it should be, it should be stated that Fontenot was the, he became the GM last year and he was also the guy who took uh, Kyle Pitts. So putting yeah. together an offensive core there for Pitts in London. That's just fun. So I, I, li I like the Falcons. I talked about them a little bit last night, and Tyler Algier was always going to be a pick that won my heart as well. So I like what, what they did this, this year. Uh, every year, the GM that drafts well against my board is John Robinson uh, out of Tennessee. And I know I, I, I poked some fun at, we just draft dense young men over here in, in Nashville, and that's how we live. But that's been a working philosophy for them in terms of how they build the team. They have that clear idea. And then I think they get good players against the board. Uh, so Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, uh, and Nicholas Petit Frere, along with the trade up from Malik Willis through the first two days. Uh, if this team is to have a post Ryan Tannehill future, the combination of Willis Burks and then Petit Frere, who to me is, is, is early on my board. I would not have drafted Petit Frere that high, but that trio is critical, right? That's, next you know next years two years whatever you want to say but that's the futures quarterback one wide receiver one and left tackle so if you if you hit on that trifecta two of the three that's a really really good nucleus to start and then on uh day three i thought they performed well hassan haskins running back out of michigan just a good ball player man he's a great backup for uh, yeah, henry exactly yeah. just a 225 pound physical dude gets five yards when he's supposed to get three gets six yards when he's supposed to get four if we are running the ball in third and three i want the ball to hassan haskins he's going to know where that marker is and he's going to go get it he can catch a little bit he can pass direct a little bit just a solid consummate player uh and then also in the fourth round they go uh chig uh, i want to say right a conquo chig a conquo it's a tight end out of maryland who everybody and their mama watching Chig was like, oh, it's like Jonu Smith. Titans drafted Jonu Smith in the fourth round like five years ago, four years ago, something like that. Uh, this is a, a similar sort of, of build, a similar sort of, of straight line athleticism, similar sort of yak breaking ability. He's like a little bit of like a fullback, F, tight end, adjuster player. Uh, and that's a fun role they didn't have in their offense last year because they lost Jonu in free agency. So he's a good addition. Kyle Phillips, traditional slot receiver, fifth round. 
He looked good. In the tape of Kyle Phillips, I was like, oh, this guy looks like he could contribute in the NFL. Had a really, really good Shrine game, yeah. I almost gave the Titans one of the awards for the best day three because of. Uh, I think that pick is going to turn out looking really good in a few few years here. Right. We talk about like, you know, all the like all these big guys and you go and you look at the players that they had to play last year with the wide receiver injuries. Right. Nick Westbrook, Akina, Marcus Johnson. Right. They had to have these big types. Would have been nice to have Kyle Phillips. Would have been nice to have a have a separator. Exactly the correct word on third and five. And so they get, went out and got that uh, Theo Jackson corner out of Tennessee. Did not watch him. No idea. But Chance Campbell, linebacker, linebacker out of Ole Miss in the seventh round. High energy, high effort player. Good teamer. Made some slash plays for Ole Miss's defense. Yeah. This is a. a consummate draft across my board for, for John Robinson, which is a perennial thing for him and proofs in the pudding. They continue to put together good teams uh, for as much fun as it's make fun of them. So I love the forward look of this draft while also getting guys who are going to, I think, matter right now. We have to put the small asterisk asterisk on here. That's they did trade away AJ yes, Brown. However, everything after the trade. Yes, yes, I do agree with. I like all the players that they took. I, by the way, I was just laughing. That I got a note. I got a notification on my phone while we were talking. The Rams drafted Kansas State safety Russ Yeast. Yeah, <laughs> big yeast. yeast. Russ Yeast. Whose house? <laughs> Russ Yeast. All right. Del- uh, a little no, delirious on day three here. Ben guys. likes John Robinson. Everything he did because he traded AJ Brown to the Eagles and then did a good job in the draft. Oh, that's what happened here. I see what's happening. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, so let's go to the other side here. Which GM's job will maybe be on the hot seat if this year doesn't go so well? I'd like to take this one first because I made a regular comment that was extremely reasonable within context and has been taken out of context. Somebody asked me before day one, which GM will get fired today? And I said, today? Like, Trent Baalke. Like, nobody's getting fired today, right? But who could get fired because of the results of today? I said, Joe Douglas. And I very much stand by that. I think Joe Douglas and the Jets have had a very good draft. I like the way they've drafted. They clearly drafted well against their board uh, because they got in the first round both Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and then got Jermaine Johnson again uh, at the end of the first round who's the top 10 player for them who they were willing to take at 10. Like, that's an incredible start. Brees Hall and Jeremy Ruckert, they invest heavily on on offensive skill position players. Max Mitchell as well, who's a tackle that I personally liked out of of Louisiana Lafayette. And then Michael Clemens, good athlete defensive end uh, out of uh, Texas A&M. And they were done in round four. They have no more picks. Great. It's good draft. They're good against my board. Clearly good against their board. A ton of offensive investment for Zach Wilson, which is why if this misses, <laughs> this is this is a watershed draft for Joe Douglas. The, the offense is built in his image. The starting quarterback, running back, all three receivers, all five offensive linemen and tight end are all Joe Douglas acquisitions. He built this entire starting offensive roster 
defense is still like a little CJ Mosley over here, like whatever. But in general, defense also has a lot of his players too. Quinn Williams, John Franklin Myers. Okay, like they got some guys who are mainstays. But on the offensive side of the ball, Joe Douglas built this whole thing. And the head coach is not an offensive head coach. Robert Sala is a defensive coach. So they very clearly decided Sala can make it work with, 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 with not scraps. That's a bad way of saying it. But Sala can make it work on the defense side of the ball. We need to invest heavy in money, heavy in picks on offense. So if the quarterback doesn't work, which Zach Wilson is decisively not the quarterback I would have taken it to last year. And if the guys around the quarterback don't work, it, there is one dude who is at fault. It is Joe Douglas. That there, a lot of chips right now, and that's the right way to GM. This is the right way to go about it. Exactly what Joe Douglas did, I would have done. I don't think he has done anything wrong here in this draft. It is just that he's had three years, and every Jets fan is like, "Wow, he did such a good job on the Jamal Adams trade." Yeah, he did. But if you ain't doing nothing with those first round picks, it doesn't matter. If those first round picks don't become good players, what are we talking about? value in trades is not interesting to me unless good players get on the football field. Uh, and so this, this draft here is the watershed draft. The, I, somebody had it floating around. I wish I bookmarked it, but there was a tweet that was like, how much capital does each team have this in this draft? Like historically, like since 99, like the most capital uh, of a draft. And the Jets were like 14th of teams last like 20 years in terms of a, a draft they entered capital with. And they had like a Debo Samuel trade maybe. And they had like the Makai Becton situation. There was a lot on the last three days for Joe Douglas. I think he killed it. But if he didn't, this, this, is, this could be a death knell because it means they go right from Sam Darnold to Zach Wilson and they're back at square one. And that it's very hard for GMs to survive that. Go back and look at the history of GMs who draft a first round quarterback who does not have a winning record in his first three years. It is not good. Those guys do not survive. So this is the draft for Joe Douglas. Watershed moment. I think he did well, but it, it, it he gets on the hot seat if this doesn't work. Only time will tell. Well, and you can clearly see that he's doing everything in his power to, to make Zach Wilson not a bust, right? Like if you look at the yeah. Jets offensive <laughs> roster two years ago, yes. it was like <laughs> Frank Gore, Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims. And it's completely different now. He has three brand new wide receivers, kind of a revamp offensive line. They took a good running back. Didn't they bring back Tevin Coleman? Uh, yeah, I think they did. This is the key right here. This is the right way to do it. He is doing his job the right way because when you get the young quarterback, you shove the chips to the middle and you either start winning football games or get fired. And that, that like, if you're on a build a contender, this is how you got to do it. It's just, what, what, what's always the joke? Number one job as a GM is job security. And Joe Douglas is saying, no, my number one job is to go win football games. And he is putting a lot of draft capital and a lot of his, his tenure on the line to make this offense work around Zach Wilson and with Zach Wilson, who he picked. So... Chips in the middle of the table. Let's flip the cards. Let's run a river and let's see what comes up. DK, which GM could be on the hot seat this year after this draft? I mean, I think the low hanging fruit here is uh, Trent Baalke. Um, You know, obviously if Trevon Walker doesn't work out or more importantly, if like Hutchinson or Thibodeau turn into like superstars in the league and apologies if you hear Calvin in the background, he's screaming. Um, if, if, if any of these other pass rushers turn into like massive superstars and Trevon Walker's just like fine, like that's going to be something I think um, that could potentially be like the final straw that <laughs> broke the camel's back there in, in Jacksonville. Um, I can't say that I really loved the Jags draft overall. You know, like I think Devin Lloyd is a fine player. I think Luke Fortner is a fine player. Chad Muma. I know that uh, Ben really liked him. So that's probably a good value there. They traded up on day three to get Snoop Connor running back. Like, I don't know. Like just none of this really, it didn't feel like the, the high impact franchise, 
shifting draft that I was hoping that they would have. So we'll see how it all works out. Of course, this is us judging right now. Um, and maybe Trevon Walker is going to be a superstar and then this is going to look silly. But like, that's just how it feels right now. So I think he's he's going to be the main guy that I kind of like think, think about. Also, I mean, as Ben just stated with Joe Douglas and the Jets, he is doing everything in his power to make Zach Wilson work. It's like fetch. He's trying to make it a thing. <laughs> Balky's not doing a ton to grease the wheels for Lawrence here, right? Like he's got an injured Travis Etienne and James Robinson at running back. They traded for Christian Kirk, paid him a ton of money. And other than that, he's got Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. That is the Trevor Lawrence next Andrew Lux offense for year two of his career. And, and along those same lines. So like, that's actually the other thing I was going to say is it's way too early for Ryan Poles to be on the, the hot seat. Cause I think he just got the job. So I would assume they're not going to fire him immediately, but I wasn't enthused with the Bears draft either. Like, I actually, like, look, I like Kyler Gordon. I like Jaquan Brisker. Those are two probably guys that are going to start for this team. But it's, like, getting alarming. It's, like, alarming to me, the lack of stuff they're doing for Justin Fields. Like, they're not doing anything for Justin Fields. They drafted a 25-year-old special teamer, maybe. Like, I, it sounds like they think he's more than that. But he's a 25-year-old receiver who's, like, also a returner um, in the third round and passing up multiple guys. I think that probably could have done better for him. Um, and then, like, I'm just looking at their draft. It's, like, a bunch of small school guys. They drafted a guy from Southern Utah, Mo- Miami of Ohio, San Diego State. No offense, Craig. Damn. Uh, God, Illinois, thanks. Southern. Like, I don't know. Like this, this draft is very underwhelming to me. They traded back about seven times on day three. Not that like day three is like the end all be all, of course, but they, they traded back multiple times where they could have taken a receiver that I still had rated highly. Like for instance, Khalil Shakur, they traded back and then the bills took Khalil Shakur, who I think would have been perfect on the bears. And so like, it just kind of pisses me off what they're doing. Honestly, like what are you fucking waiting for? There's no urgency to help Justin Fields, it feels like. They didn't do anything in free agency. And then the draft, look, they they did improve their defense. I will give them that. But I am very, very not confident about what they're going to do on offense next year. And it feels like they're going to completely throw Justin Fields like off track. So that's my rant. He's not getting fired. But I really just am annoyed at what the Bears are doing. It's very clear that Poles, when he was like interviewing for the job and when he got the job, was like, this is a multi-year rebuild. And it's true. It's just you don't want to be in a multi-year rebuild when the rookie quarterback contract clock is ticking. And that is why when it's time to fire Ryan Pace, you fire Ryan Pace. Stop giving, like Mike McCagnet with the Jets in the, the freaking uh, Ja'Kai Polite draft. Stop giving lame duck GMs a draft. It's gonna, it throws your entire body clock, throws your the, the body clock of your organization out of rhythm. And, and it screws you. You need then dice to fall lucky, dice to fall your way in order to get back on the track. Because right now, by the time Poles turns this thing around, like let's say he hits on like an average number of things, Fields is looking at his fifth-year option. If he's good. It's not where you want to be as a team. There just feels like there's absolutely no urgency to get good players around Justin Fields. Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> like, they didn't do anything in free agency. I think this is... The free agency is bleeding into this, of course. Because they signed a bunch of like scrap heap guys. No offense to the scrap heap guys, but like they didn't sign any big names in, at the receiver position. Um, and so I don't know. It's just like annoying to me. And, and of course, you know, I don't want to see this situation with Fields because he's already in, in a bad situation where he comes in. It's lame duck GM, lame duck coach. Uh, they fuck everything up. And then he's having to switch to a new coach, new playbook, new everything, new jargon, whatever, new language. 
Um, and that, of course, is in history is like really set running uh, quarterbacks back years when that kind of thing happens. Like you see like um, quarterbacks who come in and have like four different coordinators in four years. Like this is where it feels like it's going. Um, so it's just like, ugh, it bothers me. Yeah, it's hard to pick five offenses who look like they're going to have a worse year than the Bears. So that, so in addition to drafting Velas Jones Jr., they drafted Tristan Ebner, Tristan Ebner, running back from Baylor, who is also a return guy, special special teamer. It's almost like there's a lot of return guys available on day three, brother. A lot of them. They did they did more for special teams than they did for their offense and their first round quarterback. It just like it's like what are you guys doing? Ugh. Anyway. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we have to mention that Matt Ariza, punt god, San Diego <laughs> State, got yeah. snubbed. He was the third punter taken off the board. It lands P3. in Buffalo. P3. P3. Yeah. This is exactly what he needs, though. He's the Josh Allen of punters. I find it it's a perfect call. <laughs> okay. Everybody stop. Odell Beckham Jr. just said breaking news at 99, 19 problems, which is Debo Samuel to the Patriots. What the fuck? Uh, Are you kidding me? Odell tweeted this out after yesterday sending what is my favorite tweet of the year, which is just got the T from at 19 problems, Debo Samuel, should I spill? Which is the exact sort of nonsense (laughs) I would get into if NFL players talk to me, by the way. Um, I don't, there's no Debo update. (laughs) <laughs> I don't see do any we have to take back everything we said about the Patriots from earlier <laughs> they were just like I'm, messing I'm, around because they I'm knew they were getting Debo the next three minutes of the show are going to be us refreshing yeah. Twitter yep, yep. I have Twitter searched Debo Samuel Tom Pelissero this dot 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 is not true period oh. carry on oh. period. shoot Tom come on Tommy <laughs> Killjoy Tom that oh. was that's too bad yeah I hope Odell fights Tom Pelissero next time he sees him all right, well, that'll do it. Um, thank you, Ben. Thank you, DK. Sorry to everybody for getting your hopes up that Debo might be going to the Patriots. Sorry, New England fans. Thank you, Carlos, for producing this episode. Yeah. And thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, L. Dre. Thank you, Lauren. L. Dre. Craig, do you like lo-fi? Do you like lo-fi music? Yeah. I don't think, who doesn't, right? Like, I mean, it's like, like so soothing, right? Yeah. Like I've been using it, I've been listening to it like while I've been writing all weekend and it's just like really chill. A lot of good YouTube, you know, lo-fi playlists out there. I just recently discovered that. I started following uh, skateboarders on Instagram because I, I skated when I was like in middle school. <laughs> so like I'm reliving my uh, my childhood through these guys that are just like ridiculously freakishly good at skateboarding when they're like 13 years old. What was your, what was your like, like favorite skateboard brand back then? Oh, I don't even know. Like Bird Birdhouse, like Tony Hawk's thing. Birdhouse. Yeah, I was like B- Tony Hawk was still pretty old even when I was growing up. Like Tony Hawk has been around forever. Like Rodney Mullen was big when I was growing up. I used to like Bucky Lassick. I thought he was cool when I played oh, Tony wow. Hawk. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Bam Margera was a skater when I was in middle school, and then he turned into like the you know the jackass thing. Yeah, he had that show Viva La Bam. Uh, so anyways, I can't remember, honestly. It's been so freaking long. Anyways, all right. We'll be back Monday night. Hyvitz will be back. And we'll do one kind of final big fun draft recap. We'll put a fun Look spin back. on it. Yes. Uh, it'll just be 60 minutes on Matt Ariza hitting just piss missiles in the Buffalo cold wind. <laughs> By the way, before we go, wasn't there like multiple games last year where the Bills just didn't punt? I think it's what's, hilarious that What's punt funny, is they that. punted the least out of any team in, in football. <laughs> <laughs> but God. But now they're like, but when we do punt, 
it's going to go on the other side of the field. Amazing. Right. It's Amazing. like, yeah, we're going to go for it if we're on our own 40. But if we're on our own 30, we will get a touchback out of this punt. We are the best fourth down team ever now because we're either going to go for it and get it or kick it to the other 20. So win-win. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> we, we talked about this. I can't remember if it was with you guys or with somebody else. But like, that's the sort of team for whom Ariza is valuable. Like Ariza was the third punter because he just bo- bombs it. And he doesn't have as much like, control on shorter kicks. Well, if you are a team that goes for it on fourth down, you don't need the shorter kicks. You don't care about can a guy punt from 55 yards out. We ain't never doing it, buddy. It's not our plan. And so we just want the boomer. We need the boomstick, baby. And uh, Matt Arias got the boomstick. If they go three and out on their own 20, and it's fourth and 10 in the playoffs, you bring his ass in and he boots <laughs> yeah. it to the other 20. Wow. <laughs> All right. Where the, where's the defensive rookie of the year odds for Matt Arias? That's what I'm walking on. <laughs> that's what I'm walking on from this conversation. Can, can, is that what he would win? Defensive rookie? What would he win? defensive he would defensive defensive special teams i feel like that's like more where it gets lopped into like his his role is inherently defensive it makes the it harder for the other team to score but he but he's considered he's in on offensive plays isn't a punt an offensive play because they possess the ball this is very interesting (laughs) we have to bet him for both awards now (laughs) you've already lost me protect i don't think has a special teamer ever won a rookie of the year not even remotely close and they never will but it would be funny. (laughs) All right, we will see you Monday. Goodbye.